The Reef Therapy Podcast is powered by ICP Analysis. If you'd like to win a free saltwater ICP analysis kit and a freshwater analysis kit, all you have to do is leave a comment down below using the hashtag what's in your water. If you're listening to the audio only version, head on over to YouTube and you can enter in the comment section there. ICP Analysis will test over 50 elements down to parts per trillion. These tests can also be used to see if there's any undesirable elements in your aquarium as well. Register your aquarium on the ICP Analysis app, fill your sample, place it back into the bag, slap on that included postage, and have your results one to three days after it's received. More at icpanalysis.com. Hello, Reef Therapy. I am actually going to be the one that's hanging out with you guys this evening because I am here in Colorado at the studio. So today I have multiple special guests with me. We have Jack, who actually does help take care of the studio with us. And then we have Sarah, who you all are pretty familiar with now, um, being on the Ladies Takeover. She's, of course, a local, so I've got to have her on the couch. And then we have Rob, hey. who has been a really big pillar and part of the Reef Builders, just everything, just all of it. And you've been here basically the majority of the time out of everyone. Correct. And you were a very, very close friend of Jake's. Very close as well. Jake. So we're all going to be hanging out here today and we're going to talk a bit about the studio and we're going to talk about some of the origins that went on with Reefstock. And so how is everybody doing today? Oh, and I forgot Penny's here too. She's hanging out with us on the couch. She's taking a snooze. She may leave us. She may stay the whole time. We don't know. Um, so how is everybody doing today? Jack, how was your day so far? Doing good. You know, just been hanging out at the studio, uh, cleaning glass and stuff like that for most of the day. So that's good. Yeah, it's, it's always a good day. I like that kind of stuff, honestly. It's uh, very satisfying, so. Right, just yeah. cleaning all day. Sarah, yep. how was your day? Not too bad. Was doing some temperature mitigation at the zoo for the butterflies all night, um, but the day wasn't too too rough, so. Rob, how was your day? My day was good. I, I got two water changes in today, so I was very happy about that. Wow, very you were nice. like really productive today. I, I was, it was, yeah, it was a productive day. So how big are your tanks at home then? Um, there are several, but oh, yes, my, my big fish tank is a 175 bow front. And then the big reef is a Peninsula 650. Oh, wow. Big Red Sea. And then I've got a couple of smaller aquariums, little one for my wife that she gets to play with and little hex tank that's got my red carpet in it. And <laughs> I went to the dark side again. I set up a freshwater tank. I was about to ask, are they all salt? All the one. All, all of them but one. one. Yeah. Ah, he's gone over I to the fresh side. I had to go back side. to Discus. It's where I started, had to go back and play a little bit. I, a I've never kept them, but they're very stunning. No. They're so, a little finicky, though. They are a little finicky, but that's okay. I'm having yeah. fun. So. Yeah. Well, if you've done salt, you can probably almost have the confidence to do quite a few exactly. other varieties. Too. That's right. So, yeah. yeah, for me, that's how I got started in salt, was I was a freshwater keeper, and my discus were breeding, and I ended up with so much credit in the local fish stores that they said, have you considered saltwater? It was a great way to spend lots of money. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. The more tanks you have, the more fun you're having, the more you're cleaning, more That's water right. changes. You can't have just one. <laughs> right, yeah, no, you cannot oh. just have one. Now, once you get into it for so many years, like all of us have been, mm -hmm. we're all guilty. We already have multi-tank syndrome oh, going on here. <laughs> well, because so many different animals need yeah. such vastly different parameters or have different requirements or needs mm -hmm. and to really get each of them to shine yeah you kind of have to set up all of these different tanks to really yeah. showcase them the way they deserve to be showcased yeah plus biotopes are the coolest like i sure. love like, biotopes you know just like single yep. species tanks are definitely 
definitely really, really cool. So yeah. You got any plans for one of those here? Um, I mean, there's already, you know, some in here, or at least they have a general theme like that, you know, um, but at the moment, I'm not in particular. I know we're going to set up like a, a mushroom only tank. We already have a chalice only tank. Definitely uh, will at some point in the future for sure. So that would yeah. be cool. Well, we'll definitely make sure that Jack gets to document all of that for you guys over there. Yeah. So let's chat like tank. Like, is, is there anything that you guys have seen lately or heard of lately that you found interesting? We did just have that big top 50 list that we put up on the Reef Builders Facebook and that a lot of people really enjoyed that. Yeah, Absolutely. or even just discoveries like when it came to like breeding and, you know, aquaculture, things of that nature. What did you guys like from that list? Yeah. For me, it was the the biota, the, the, potter's, the potter's angel. angel. That was, was mine was as well. Just yeah, spectacular. Cool. I also had a little bit of an affinity for what Palma Labs had done mm -hmm. with their um, little uh, king eye angel, which I thought was just fantastic. Yeah. So they've done some very impressive things and just even... The more, you know, species that we get out there, mm -hmm. the better off everyone will be essentially just, you know, from a hobbyist perspective, because they're they're actually sturdier animals mm -hmm. and they're going to be eating. They've gone through a type of quarantine situation. And yes, it can be a longer road to some degree because you're having to grow up babies and you're having to do all that research and the patience that it comes with the breeding. Yeah. But it really is the future of our industry. It is, and I like the fact that they're rock solid, mm -hmm. right? When you get a fish, you know it's eating. You know it's it's. You don't have to worry about disease coming in, mm -hmm. right? Because it's been captive bred, and the the challenge, of course, is introducing them into existing aquariums yeah. because they don't come in in large sizes. So it takes a little bit of extra effort, you know, to get them into your big system. Mm -hmm. But once they're established, they do so well. Oh yeah, they are. They're so healthy, and you also kind of get a bit of like a, a lineage going on because you know where they came from and you know they're keeping very close eye on what they're breeding a lot of those facilities because I have also visited biota myself I went to the Florida facility and it's very organized they have stuff there it's all separated they know all of the dates of everything and it's just very well put together. Oh, absolutely. I think what Biota is doing and what's coming out of Bali Aqua Rich mm -hmm. with Wenping Zoo is just fantastic. Yeah. Some of the animals that they're being able to bring to market that are captive bred that we never would have thought yeah. would ever be available to us. And it's just, it's wonderful. Yeah. All the advances are just stunning. What about you, Sarah? I would agree with the Potter's Angel. I think there's a lot of conservation implications when we're able to rear completely in captivity these animals that we really haven't been able to before mm -hmm. not only does it provide a more sustainable resource for the hobby with much hardier animals it also has implications if there are endangered fish that we want to work with that are these are good surrogates for because we've already started to make these huge strides in kind of cracking the code of how to keep them alive and breed them uh, so i think we're in this really cool advent right now of um discovery yeah in the hobby of finally understanding the life cycles of a lot of these animals. oh yeah so much research and just so many years dedicated to doing this so thank you to everybody who has a part in dealing with any of that awesome. we all definitely appreciate your hard work and efforts yeah and i think it's pretty cool that like that all came down to just like finding a species of cobalt pod that like was small enough to like get fish through those like 
mm-hmm. early larval de- development stages. And that's like all it was for years and years and years. Was yep. Not having a pod that was uh, small enough. I, that's, I think it's pretty cool that that's all it took. And now we're able to do all these things. So Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. How about you, Jack? What did you like? Uh, I mean, I've been trying to think. I, I see... I know I looked at the list, but I can't. I can't exactly remember what was on the. Everybody list. loved the CJ heater. That dude yes. was number one. <laughs> yeah, the Potters fun. was second, but That's that right. CJ heater, heater was. I one. definitely want to get some of those in here to try out. Um, I I uh, I definitely liked the uh, the idea of like how easy it is to set up and stuff like that, and um, how you like you touch your phone to it and you can set the temperature and it'll send you alerts and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, I think that's a really cool feature. Um, but yeah, I'd really like to get my hands on one of those and definitely try it out. So okay, well, yeah. um, we might know a guy, yeah, or two. <laughs> yeah. So if yeah. Steve or Jay is like hanging out, like watching, you know yeah. where to find. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely use some of those. So. What did you guys do over the holidays? Did you do anything exciting? Um, on Christmas Day. Oh wait, not Christmas Day. Oh yeah, on Christmas Day, I cleaned the studio by myself. And then on New Year's Eve, I had six or seven people in here helping me clean all kinds of stuff. Uh, it was really cool to like bring in the New Year that way. And like, I don't know, have having all that help in here and doing all this stuff. Like we scrubbed tanks, we cleaned Just doing skimmers, a big refresh we, for the New Year. Yeah, we did water changes. We did we did everything, you know, and it's it's just always nice to, to have that kind of help in here for sure. So now when you do, you do volunteers, so so we do like to have volunteers come in here to the studio. It's a really cool opportunity. You get to hang out with Jack and you get to, you know, handle some of the really cool animals and take care of them in here. What do you like to have most done in here? So typically I have my volunteers, you know, cleaning glass, pumps, skimmers, stuff that's tedious and, uh, and hard to do, but I usually make it worth their while. You know, I send them home with a frag or something like that, you know, something cool. So I really like to, to delegate uh, the the really hard and tedious stuff to, you know, to everybody. And I like to help out and pitch in and stuff too, but it's nice to do that stuff with, you know, a bunch of hands. So you can handle the bigger projects. Yeah, like when you're cleaning skimmers, you're like taking apart, you know, taking apart sumps and stuff like that. You want, you know, help to put stuff to back together at the end and stuff like that. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, it's nice you to practice those skills with somebody who, mm-hmm. if you do it wrong, can fix it. Yeah, that's right. very that, true. That's yes. the big benefit of kind of that volunteer opportunity is you get to learn these skills that maybe you were intimidated by uh, and you have somebody there who can fix it if it goes wrong. Yeah, right? I, um, yeah. Exactly. I definitely wish I had that at certain points in time. And you hang out with Penny, like Penny's probably usually here all the time. Uh, She's definitely always here. Yeah. (laughs) Might see Max. (laughs) He's scooting around in here too. (laughs) Yeah. Max goes everywhere with me as well. So, so Sarah, what'd you do over the holidays? We had a really quiet holiday and it was delightful. Just, uh, Christmas day. Didn't do anything with family. Just like hung out, had good food and relaxed. And you didn't even do water changes. You just like chilled. Just chilled. Wow. Chilled. And it was so nice and refreshing. Wow. Okay, Rob, what did you do? Did you do some water changes or you caught up and you're done with your water changes? No, I I did some water changes prior because Uh, I was was having friends coming over Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, one of my friends had been a longtime aquarist. He's he's out, but, you know, he set up his first saltwater tank in the 60s. Oh, Oh, wow. wow. So 
a bit older than I am, but um, we will tell him that too loud. And it was, you know, when you have people like that, or there's nothing worse than an enjoyable, like it was like having Jake come over, right? Mm-hmm. Jake comes to your house and you're like, oh, you got to do a lot of work. So, <laughs> so it was good. It was fun. We, we did a little, uh, little bit of uh, Christmas Eve event. And then uh, for Christmas, uh, I opened up a nice bottle of wine out of the cellar and my wife and I had a lovely relaxing. So well, there you go. So I would love to hear about this tank from back then. In the yeah, was that like still like a steel frame? Yeah. Tank? Yes. Yes. Yeah, meta frame aquariums mm-hmm. and undergravel filter. And uh, absolutely, because yeah, that was the only thing you had. You had an air pump. You had an undergravel, and yeah. you know that's that's where it started. And when I first got into saltwater, um, eighty two, eighty three, um, I met my friend Carl at one of the local stores and he'd been obviously doing it for a number of years already. And so we built a very nice bond over that. He's been a lifelong friend and That's and cool. uh, he was the one that I, that when he took his tank down, I got the uh, angel fish old enough to drink from. Wow. Oh yeah, which cool. is an article, which we did talk about. Yes. Yeah. That is an article that Jake wrote and it is revolving around a fish that was 23 Correct. at the time. So a fish that was old enough to I can t- I can see the that. I can see the the title now you know like of that article. It, it, I think it said this fish is old enough to drink. I yeah, I can totally wow. see it. So that's cool. So yeah. if you guys all go back there and you read that somewhere in our archives um, on the Reef Builders website, let us know what you guys thought of that article. Now, did you get to see or handle some of the older tanks? You know, from from back then. Like, what was it like? What was livestock like back then? Yeah. So. I didn't start that early, you know, when I, well, I did, but it was freshwater, mm-hmm. right? So when I was a little kid, we had freshwater and, and certainly had the old metal frame slate bottom aquariums that were all sealed with tar. That was always fun and exciting and electrocuting ourselves with the lights on top that were metal and, and get oh, dust yeah. them as well. Um, <laughs> That'll get you going in the morning. <laughs> that's right. Oh, it gets your attention. <laughs> but, your tank uh, out my first saltwater tank was a 40. So a 40 long, short 55. Mm-hmm. And wow. so that was, that was quite enjoyable and, and uh, then I discovered the world of plex aquariums and life got more interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah like the sure. hexes and stuff like that, the so, acrylic tanks or? No, big, big five, six whip sea clear. Sea clear. And some of those early oh, aquariums yeah. that were out there. Yeah. Yeah. So. So what was it like navigating how you wanted your tank to look? Well, Back you didn't have as many choices. Right. right. You didn't have as much and you didn't have the internet to turn to. It was all old oh, school. Absolutely. You had to do the books or you had to get your face to face. But the magazine. It was all about, yeah, certainly articles in the magazines and, you know, a number of reef notes from Julian was, was a spectacular mm-hmm. resource. Yep. Yeah. Um, but it, it was books, right? Because you, you consulted a book. I mean, Stephen Spotty was probably the one that drew, drove most of my interest and in, in my knowledge when it came to chemistry, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, he, he wrote some beautiful books about uh, the science and the art of aquarium keeping. Mm-hmm. And uh, that became a big driver. And of course, we didn't have the choices that we have today. You know, a coral was a soft coral that you were happy to keep alive, right? Yeah. The hard corals were, were not something you played much with. Um, and as the technology evolved and we got all the new cool gear coming into play, when HO and VHO lighting came out, we were all oh, excited. Yeah. Oh, I tell you. HOT5. That's right. <laughs> yes. So it became an opportunity to play mm-hmm. and to start investigating animals that we didn't think we could keep. Right. Right. Today. This A lot of experimenting Absolutely. kind of going on there. Trial and error. Yes. A lot of trial and error. A lot error. of trial and error. 
but it was fun. And there were things we could get then that we can't get now. Right. Right. Yeah. Especially those of us that remember getting Florida Live Rock. Mm-hmm. Right. That was yeah. covered in Recordia. Or just like covered in all sorts of fun stuff and, and legit hitchhikers. Well, the get... real ones that you really did not think no. existed were no. getting yeah. into your tanks. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, there are also one of my favorite little fish that um, I set up in a, a tank, a species tank just for was the Centropogy resplendens, which yeah. is the little tiny pygmy angel that looks like a damsel that comes out of the Ascension Islands. Wow. And they were readily available in the late 80s and early 90s, but they're not available today. Yeah. I keep waiting for someone to... The closest them. thing you can find yes. is a Starkey damsel. Like yes, color yeah. it's still a damsel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, still a damsel. He's still going to fight you. Damsels, but still, yes, but still a damsel. Still a damsel. <laughs> yeah, still a damsel. Wow. Okay, so now with your reefs at home, what's your favorite to tinker with? And your oh, pride and joy. Uh, oh, that's that's hard. Um, in the reef tank, probably it's going to, again, there are those of us that came up with from the you know, keeping fish, right? I'm a fish person who uses coral as the background. Okay. As opposed to the coral people that have fish for, you know, a little bit of movement. Mm-hmm. And so um, my corals, there's nothing terribly rare and unusual. I just, you know, I go for nice, pretty colors fast growers um but for me it's the the fish and so i have a nice marginalis in my reef tank that does a great job at controlling nests mm-hmm. right so doing very very well um i i have a hybrid that came from uh, poma labs which is kind of like a maze angel oh okay yeah so very pretty and and fun and um a pair of watanabis you're an angel guy. I like angels above. You're an angel guy. I like yeah. the Watanabes. They are very stunning and, and you don't see too many people really trying to keep them just yes. even in a hobby. And they're a perfect, all of the Genocanthus are really very good reef fish. Yeah. Because they don't bother things. And yeah. um, they're, they're good weight. movers they're too. They're very active. They're very active. They're very active. They so spawn Definitely have a long tail. Really? Yeah. Oh, every night the male gets out there and he starts doing his little dance and the female comes along. And for me, it's food for the reef. Yeah, yeah oh, exactly. Yeah. So. That's why I used to keep so many different types of shrimp, like cleaner shrimp, the blood red shrimp. I was like, just breed and breed and breed. My, my, you know, mandarins never had issues getting anything. They could eat those little babies. All my LPS, they would just eat it up. And they just sit there in front of the power head and let those babies out. And I'm like, yes. Why? Just last night had a rock in it and he starts spawning randomly. Oh, that's fun. You're going to find babies everywhere. Oh, my God. I was like walking by the tank and I was like, why is it cloudy? And I just see him. Just poof, 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 <laughs> like a little chimney. Yep. Like, yeah, oh, most of them sure? will settle underneath the adults. Yeah. So. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good. And then but, you'll find random ones in like tiny crevices that you don't realize were sitting there for about six months. And you'll go, what's that neon orange thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, there it is. Another flower. Yeah. A little, little baby and enemy there. Yep. So on the inbird side, I think I'd probably say my clams. You like clams? Yeah. yeah. So I have a, a gigas that's, that's very happy, so... So how, how big is your gigas? Yeah, how big is your gigas? Probably about yay big. Wow. Yeah. It's an ORA, obviously. Yeah. Right, from when they came out. Oh, I don't know. It's probably eight, ten years ago, I think, is when they reintroduced the, yes. their gigas clamps. Yep. I got one from the same order that Jake brought one. In yeah, and I just went order. and saw Jake's at the aquarium. Did that you? thing is huge. Yes. He, when it came to growth contests, he won. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and things like this. Dude, that, those things are total huge calcium bits. Huge. I mean, yes. they uh, decide to grow a little bit, and you better go test everything. Yeah. I'm, everything. I'm pretty sure true. that's where most of my calcium supplementation goes to. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah the guy gets so. Yeah, yeah for it sure. definitely helps have a calcium reactor on a tank with uh, with with clams for sure. So. Yeah, that's a very good. That's a very good tip there. Okay, so Sarah, who is your favorite that you take care of or that you have? Oh, I mean, I- You I, love, she loves I talk about my Ismilia pastigiata all the time. <laughs> um, it's my favorite core. Uh, to not be re redundant, maybe a different animal. I, uh, I have a special place in my heart for urchins. Um, we have a bunch of uh, like the kindness fair goddess so the pincushion urchins mm -hmm. and they're easy, they're hardy, they're fun. Like yeah. we give them hats and things like that oh, on yeah. exhibit for them to pick up. And oh, yeah. there's just something so heartwarming about this animal who's just trucking along with a little top hat on. <laughs> and right? it, it's, they just, they do a good job. Yeah, they're super important for the reefs. I mean, yeah. You just yeah. ask Martin Moe, like that guy has been, you know, preaching urchins for years and years and years and years and years. You know, yeah. I love the little hats and accessories that yeah. people will give them because that makes the kids be interested. Absolutely. It, it brings yeah. in all of it's that youthfulness. It is like when I went to DNA um, a few years ago, they had a tank with quite a few of them in there and they actually gave them lightsabers. <laughs> So for a very long time, I had this really awesome oh, picture cool. of two that were going after each other and one had a green lightsaber and one had a red. And I was like, that is my Facebook banner picture. That's and it was cool. there forever. <laughs> I feel like they just get like a bad rap. Urchins well, I mean, in general. Bull they they, they're, they're more careful than you think though. Like it's kind of surprising how they can maneuver in a tank. Like you'll see like these like huge like black long spine urchins and like the fact that they can I even move like in those. some of the tanks that they're in is like impressive, you know? Like I've had them, look, we used to have a pair of the big black long spine. And when you were scrubbing the tank. Yeah, that's definitely They sketch. would come towards you. Yeah. Yes. And they would like orient like they were going to joust you. Yeah, oh, they'll like, yeah. they'll angle all of their spines. Yeah, they knew you, you were there and they came yeah. for you. That's one of my Slow worst. Motion worst ones was i got jabbed yeah. by one yeah. and it off. went it went right between like Ooh. my fingers and i knew instantly i was like this isn't coming out i have no choice yeah. but to see here i had to rush it and try to i had a piece of, as much as i could i had a piece of mm -hmm. long spine urge in my palm for probably like four or five years oh yeah i finally fell out yeah so. i had this really funny bruise everybody be like what did you do and i'm like uh, it was yeah. urchin. i got into a fight with an urchin and i want to talk about <laughs> he started it, it. Yeah. it wasn't Okay, yeah. so Jack, who yeah. do you, I mean, you have a lot to pick from in here. So my favorite animals in here, like I would say would be the abalones. Uh, yeah, the abalones they are do cool. freaking work. Like there's like tanks in here that have like no cleanup crew at all, except for one abalone. And that dude, it's like a Roomba. He'll come out every night and like cover the entire tank, eat everything in sight, and then go back and hide under a rock for the rest of the day. They almost um, don't look real when you see them underwater because yeah. they're so they look glass like they look shiny. like a muppet trapped under a rock. Like mm -hmm. they're they're pretty cool. Like I I definitely like them quite a bit. So again, I think very underappreciated. Yeah, they're phenomenal. It's they hard to find good. tropical abalones right now, mm -hmm. but yeah. whenever I do, I buy them all. Uh, I found some last year. I bought like six or seven uh, mm -hmm. last year. Definitely awesome cleanup crew members, and they get really big. And um, yeah, I just think they're. They're definitely well, they awesome. Excellent. That that is the thing in my tank that moves my coral around. Yeah, <laughs> they are. Yeah. They're buff creatures. They're really strong. You know, they, they are. And yeah. like, it, yeah, like if you, 
the only way you can get them off the glasses is you have to go like super fast, like get underneath them super quick. But if you touch them, they'll suck up against the glass. And like, no matter what you do, you're knocking them off and yeah. you can't cut them because then they'll bleed out. So you have to be really careful in that particular situation. So we've had some success with some of the big abalones we work with, with kind of like the side to side wiggle. Yeah. Like you just kind of wiggle side to side. And that's breaks that kind of vacuum yeah. suction that they it's use. crazy though they have like a really strong suction probably use those to lift tanks honestly yeah hold on i gotta grab the abalones real quick all right everybody grab an abalone <laughs> that would be so weird yeah, yeah. oh i can't i definitely imagine. love the abalones so yeah well, there you go. There's an invention. Like somebody just make a really great suction cup set. Or just call it the Apple. It's in tanks. There yeah, you go. There you go. Somebody yeah. do it. The first aquarium branded uh, suction cups. You know, yeah. That'd be a, that's, what yep. you, that's what you should call them. We do have reef stock coming up yes. pretty soon. And all of us are going to be there. And so reef stock has been around for many years. Rob, you have been to the majority of them. I have. And so tell us a little bit about what it was like in those earlier days going to the show. It was fun. One of the things that Jake, when he started Reefstock, he was he started Reefstock before he was the editor at Reef Builders, mm -hmm. right? So he's been doing, he was doing it for a long time. What he wanted was, is he wanted to showcase the really cool things that we have here in Colorado with locals, but also bring in what he wanted to see as a boutique event, right? Where... It was the things that were the newest, the most interesting, the things that maybe you wouldn't normally see. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to also ensure that we built community around that. And so education was part of it, right? An opportunity to interact with folks was another big piece that came into play. And the first one was pretty small. Right? It was in a little uh, hotel downtown. Um, and as it grew, we moved into the downtown aquarium for a while. Mm -hmm. Right. That was very fun. It was one of my favorite spots. Yeah, but yeah. Unfortunately, we exceeded the capacity of the room as it related to the fire code. Yeah, yeah. And so we actually ended up with people standing outside waiting, waiting. to get in. Oh, yeah, because wow. it all started. It's just like a few vendors like like on the walls of a room, you know, like that's right. Yeah. And, and so it, it it proved very popular. And so needing to find larger spaces, it moved around a little bit looking for larger venues. And I really like where it is now at the Crown Plaza. I think mm -hmm. it's it's convenient. It's easy to get to. And it certainly provides enough room for everybody to move around. Absolutely. Yeah. And it still maintains that that local boutique feel, right, of community getting together and being able to have a, a fun experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's two days. Originally, it was one day. right? So it was a one-day event. Um, and there was enough interest that it, it grew into two days. And that's a very busy, a very effective two days, I think, for the show. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's very popular. And whenever I went, I didn't get to go to my first one until I had started with Fritz. And um, it was right before the pandemic. And I was just so blown away. It is such a busy show. And everybody coming there just genuinely has got the mindset of, I'm learning something today. I'm going to see something super cool and I'm probably going to buy it or find something to buy. Um, and it's, it's just a really great atmosphere. Like everybody's just so happy and excited to come to it too. Everybody's very, very just up whenever you go to Reef Stock. It's going to see all of your friends. 
Yeah, right? it really and is. You're, you're in a, a it's big It's centrally room. located, so That's a lot right. of people do enjoy flying in sure. and coming and hanging out. And because it is two days now, they like to, you know, maybe either come a little earlier or stay a little later and go snowboarding or skiing since it's in March. Yeah, we there's lots of stuff to do in Colorado. That's yeah. for sure. Absolutely. So everybody just kind of makes it like a nice little winter getaway thing. But and it's the first, it's the first show, the show of the year, too. It's the first it show is, of the year. Yeah, so. it is the first show yeah. of the year. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That'll be super exciting to kick off this year because we've got a lot of, like, really cool things going on. Rob, you've been working very closely with Windsor, um, where we're going to be uh, moving into more of a silent auction style Correct. for this show. Yeah. So uh, do you have any details you can share with us about that? So we're going to be doing, instead of running a, a raffle at the show, um, we're going to be doing a silent auction, which is a little different than what folks are used to that are coming to the show. Mm -hmm. But what's nice about this is um, all of the funds that are raised are for Reef, for Reef yeah. Adams. Um, they all go directly into his 529 plan, which is so a scholarship cool. program so that it'll help pay for his schooling, mm -hmm. right, as he grows up. Yeah. And so we we might end up with another marine biologist. We'll see what happens. He, right. It's a little ways away yet. Yeah, yeah right. he's excited yet. That's right. He could be reef out on, you know, like the baseball field, like, you know, catching pop flies or something. But that's exactly. okay. We'll still adore him no matter what. No matter what he does. No matter what he does. But... He'll be there. Windsor will be yes, there. Yes, they're so. both coming. They already booked their flight. So if you guys uh, want to come to Restock or if you know that you're going to have plans of coming to Restock, we'll get to see Windsor and Reef. And that is so exciting because this is going to be Windsor's real first outing since she's had Reef um, and coming to see everybody. And um, I believe she's going to be in town for like two weeks or something like that, oh. just visiting and catching up with people mm -hmm. and um just seeing everybody that she's missed. And yeah. I'm excited to see her. I'm excited to meet Reef. He's so cute. Oh, he comes in on our team meetings and he's just such a doll. <laughs> he's a doll. So whenever people want to do the silent auction, we're going to have that in an area of the floor plan. Um, and we're going to get you guys some special signage. And that's going to tell everybody also that comes to the show, you know, the information that some of the information that you just shared with us, Rob, and then, um, you know, just like the little bio or a little something about Windsor and Brief and, and, you know, where the silent auction is going to be focused on. So, Sarah, you've been to a few Reef stocks. Yes. Yeah. Have you spoken at every single one you've gone to? No, I've only actually spoken at Reef stock once. Um, oh, I well, it's about to be two. <laughs> And I got to talk about <laughs> our Caribbean Coral and Florida Reef Track Rescue Project. Uh, I started uh, going to restock as a brand new embarrassed uh, at Butterfly Pavilion. And I remember running, walking around to every single vendor and introducing myself. And the community here is so warm and inviting. And I have met lifelong friends at restock. Yeah. Um, people who I just truly have taken me under my wing or under their wing and Jake, I remember chatting with him every stock and getting invited to his kind of original studio before this big studio and then chatting with him and um, how excited he was to show off this space. Like even like when I go around here and I visit stores and just like seeing a lot of my friends and connections out here, the one thing I can say that you will always, always be offered when you come to Colorado is everyone asks you if you need water because they understand that <laughs> if you are not from here, yeah. you search yeah. like the desert yeah. all the time. Yes. It's in 
happening to you. So everybody that is here as a Colorado native, thank you for all the water that you guys generously offer every time we go somewhere. <laughs> but I do have to say that Sarah, Sarah's the best when we do our ladies uh, takeover because I always watch her and she's always drinking water and then it helps me remember to drink water. Yeah. <laughs> I noticed we both had mason jars we were drinking up, but I had like, you had a pint and I had like a quart. Yeah, I was like, oh, Sarah's really doing good tonight. She's hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta stay hydrated. Hydrate or dehydrate. Uh, oh, okay. So Jack, now you've been to quite a few reef stocks haven't yeah. you i've been going to reef stocks since i think 2010 wow so so yeah. you were young what was something as a younger person that you looked forward to when you went to the show corals man like that's that's what i went there for was corals and there was always you know there's always good deals and stuff to be had and uh i remember like at my first reef stock i went to reef koi and i bought you know, I think like three or four Zoa rocks. Um, and uh, I remember that I like basically skaped. I had like a four gallon tank at the time and I skaped my entire tank with those those three Zoa rocks. And that was that was one of my favorite tanks that I've ever had. So, nice. so yeah, yeah. So how old were you when you had that little four gallon? So let's see, that would be, how old was I in 2010? I was like 12. Wow, so yeah. that's actually a really difficult tank to decide to do as a kid yeah i mean that's just that's that's the more difficult that, yeah. that's that's what i could afford you know like you know, yeah but you kid. were diligent <laughs> and if it's your favorite tank yeah i mean it really cast, yeah it did really it did, it did well. really well because it was all zoas you know so like uh yeah it was all zoas and a, a pair of clarky clownfish that i got at petco and they're like this big and by the time i got rid of my four gallon they're like solid three inches you know so don't biting? take zoas for granted man so yeah. people can't keep them alive yeah I, know. I mean yeah if you have an if you have if you have algae problems you know that's it, it's it's they're kind of like the first thing to go because they're competing directly with it height wise you know so <laughs> especially hair algae will take out your zoas pretty quick so right yeah and cyano so oh, like yeah that, so. that stuff's real fun. sometimes they'll melt for no reason but most of the time zoas are pretty you know resilient in my experience so so what's your favorite zoa then oh uh, that's a good question i would say uh like seduction slash like white zombies i really like that i like i like uh i like zoas where every polyp looks slightly different and none of them look exactly the same uh like hawaiian people eaters and stuff like that where every single polyp is a little bit different some of them you have colors that other ones like don't at all so mm -hmm. Stuff I like, like I like the ultimate utter chaos for that reason yeah. because they all will look different. Yeah, and that's the same thing with houseplants. Like I like for houseplants where every leaf looks different. So yeah, you know, yep. Okay, so favorite zoa, Sarah. So when I did dabble in zoas before I learned <laughs> my lesson, um, I remember getting uh, a rock with rastas on it. Oh yeah, I remember and rastas first we got happened. Got a ton of them right here. Yep. Right. And at the time, I just remember, like, it was, like, three tiny little Rastas on this plug, and it was way too expensive. Uh, and I got it at a, a reef show in um, Pennsylvania at the time. We had a little reef club, and they do, like, a little, like a very tiny micro reef stock, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I picked them up there, and I was so excited about them. And inevitably, I murdered them as I did any other Zoa. <laughs> but they still have a place in my heart as just, I was 
had such joy for them in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> such hope for the future. Uh, Rob, do you have a favorite Zoa? You probably a kept a lot. I've, I've had a number of them, but um, I, I am terrible in common names. Yeah, okay. So I, you, I couldn't pick out the differences between... <laughs> what color was it? They do get really but crazy names nowadays. They, they do, but my, uh, the favorite one that I have probably is because of where it came from mm -hmm. and um, it's the I have a big colony a nice colony that's isolated of Palafaya grandis yes oh, right. see, oh I can yeah keep that the and grandies yeah. that's right and a super duper underappreciated yes they are I so beautiful um, but these came from Steve Herlock okay so okay. that that's why it's my favorite yeah, yeah. right it's like it, its origin was important to me. that's yeah. very cool yeah. Yeah. I Steve Herlock I mean he he had a lot of awesome corals that are still doing great activity today so absolutely really cool yes. like didn't the space invader pectinia come from Steve Herlock I don't know the answer to that I believe I believe that it did I'm not 100 percent sure but uh so it may it have yeah. yeah um there is the uh, there's a beautiful Herlock Ghani. Yep. The right? pink and green that, Ghani. That continues today mm -hmm. uh, from his original tank. So there are a number of them. But uh, my wife likes uh, the little zoanthids that look like a daisy pollard. Oh, okay. well, I know which ones you're talking about. Oh. Beautiful little sunflower looking daisy. I, again, are I, those the long lash eagle eyes? Those kind of looked like that. Um, well, they were more green though. Are you saying daisy like yellow? Not they're yellow and white and they've got a nice color around the edge. And again, you, I, I, it's a zoanthid. It's yeah. a zoanthid. <laughs> so... Zoanthid SP. Yeah. That's right. Zoanthid SP. You don't see a ton of. Um, so on like the freshwater side, you get the Amano style, like ADA tanks where it's, it looks like a landscape. And I feel like there's so much opportunity you could play with coral. Oh, yeah. Similar. Oh, yeah. And I feel like something like that hasn't really taken off. But it, it's definitely. It's probably it's, coming, though. Yeah. I, I feel like it's really hard to like. It's harder to do that with corals because the way they grow, like they, they, mm -hmm. they they're just like. They grow in like a less uh, proportionate way than like plants do, you know? It's like yeah, you'd really have to try to plan that one out yeah. with very specific species and the tendencies to how they grow. It takes like bonsai practice. You know? Yeah. yeah. It takes a lot of skill, I think, to, to yeah. pull that off in such a way um, that it would come across in how you intended it. But Well, you can easily start with the grassy knoll being GSP. Just very Absolutely. easily. Just a nice true. grassy knoll. And then just have like the rolling hills of soas. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You use like some anthelias. Yeah. Kind of very flat. Yeah. Yeah. It would probably look very Dr. Seuss, but it'd be very neon. Yeah. So, well, circling back to those early aquariums that, mm -hmm. that I started with, um, again, all soft corals. Mm -hmm. But the back wall of, of what was my 75 gallon aquarium GSP. was all GSP. Oh, and those are cool. So I love that, that look. That's right. Yeah. And it looked like the, the wheat fields of Kansas. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah it's just water waves. rippled across. Yeah. Hey, we were excited. We were growing. We were I know. Growing right. You'd be like, yeah, it's right? inching up. I can tell. It's eventually going to cover this whole back uh, wall. It's interesting how like the target changes depending on how hard and easy things are. So back, back then, growing coral was oh. hard. So having as much coral as possible was the, the name of the game. That's right. But now where it's getting so much easier, you, you get these like clear bottom and the Berlin style tanks mm -hmm. and it just 
crisper and having that negative space is more important. And mm -hmm. it's cool to see how things have evolved. Yeah, really paying attention to the profile of how it comes up off the rock, especially when you're dealing with SPS, because there can be some beautiful profiles Absolutely. that people create, especially if they start to do some of like the bridges with their live rock and they create that negative space and then they'll have archways and money caps. I love that look. It's so sleek. I got a question a lot for of Rob. planning. All right, let's go. Oh, uh, when, when was the first time you saw like a coral frag? Oh, that's a great question. Ooh, a long time ago. But, you know, when you talk about coral frags, a coral frag that when we first started yeah, playing right. with corals was, right. was, a rock. was was a coral. Not a three quarter inch roll. No, but today no. is a colony. No, no, no. Colonies were colonies. Right. Yeah. Right. And a frag was, was, you know, something that you could hold a in chunk. your hand. A chunk. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which is more like I know, how I, I asked, I asked right. Jake that question at one point. His answer was the first time that he saw like real frags was at, uh, Steve Chang's shop and he had like little tiny circle fine leathers cut up and that yeah. was like those were like the first coral frags Steve he did. yeah so yeah. He, he had his shop down on Santa Fe yeah 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 that he did some interesting things with yeah and um probably in in the retail stores um it was probably the prior to Great Barrier Reef Debron yeah yeah Debron yeah Debron yeah. had a number of of interesting frags corals yeah, because yeah. most everybody was doing fish, and if you wanted a coral, you got leathers. Yeah, I know mm -hmm. Debron, like, they had, like, big totes set, set up that they had corals in, like, big uh, big uh, wood totes that had pond liners in them, and That's then they right. would uh, fill those up with corals, and people would yep. just come by colonies of corals at a time, you know? Yep. Um, wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, like, huge, like, like 12 foot long, 4 feet wide, like, 2 or 3 feet deep with a pond liner in it. And then they would just fill that up with water, put lights over it, and put fill it up with corals, like a shipment of corals. Well, so. everything was under metal halide. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So you had, you know, really strong lighting. Mm -hmm. You had a lot of very interestingly shaped brown, green, and occasionally purple, mm -hmm. right, with a little bit of blue coral but to you know not what we see today with all the varying shades that leds can produce for us yeah so for yeah, sure there's good. been a lot of advances i love metal halides i will always love metal halides and t being like you know partners i love i do really love and enjoy where the led game has gone yeah. over the years and how much these companies have dialed in your own personal experience that you want to have with it when it comes not just to the timers, but to the look of the tank. And then even just if you want to have a deep water tank, you can do it. If you want to have a more brighter tank with a lagoon, you can do that too. And you can still do it within the same lights. Yeah. So that's same really light. come a long way. Yeah. The versatility. Is yes. It makes the investment more palatable. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Because we've all been there and thrown away that receipt and lied yeah. about even going to the fish store. <laughs> but we, yeah. the other thing that I don't see as much are the tanks with algaes. The, the algaes that we want to have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, macroalgae tanks. Like there was breath. a trend, though, for a couple of years where everybody seemed like they were setting up really cool refugiums they're harder to maintain things. than you would think you really have to, yeah like, i can you really see have they to, could be you have to like dose iron and stuff like that that's right you really mm -hmm. want them to do well otherwise you know and you do have to have good flow you otherwise one algae is going to take over and the rest are going to just hinder and die you know yeah yes. yeah and light cycles much more important with certain ones like the glurpas if you 
don't have a full 24 hour light cycle, then they'll yeah. just randomly like spawn off. At least 18 hours a day. Otherwise they, they go into reproduction mode. So okay. yeah, it's, it's more challenging. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. it provides a very interesting biotope to get to play. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Seagrasses yeah. too. Yes. Seagrasses, um, like the Halamita, the Calcaris, uh, algae. Yeah. Those are all, uh, Mermaids? Mermaids brush. Yes. Mermaids oh, wow. Yeah. I haven't seen those in a while. I remember we would get them in and they always look so cool. And it's just the, the time it takes for them to grow or not quite having what they need. Yeah. It, it's definitely, you you can't, you really can't do it successfully, I feel like, with a reef. They just are, you, you they could. Yeah, they yeah. Just, the, the things that they need, there there's enough that, again, you need another tank. Yeah. Multi-tank yeah. syndrome. Yeah, that's how it happens. Right there, you just I heard we well, wouldn't even do right. it just from that subject matter alone. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my gosh! Well, I think we have we almost made it to an hour now, Jimmy. Oh, we're at forty-five minutes. Oh, well, we're doing good then. All right, so what y'all want to chat about now? Because now we covered refugiums, talked about some of the older corals that you used to see in the game and how they used to display them. Yeah. So. When were some of like the first tanks that you guys ever saw that really said to you, I want to do this? What did that tank look like? Was it a big reef? Was it a little one? My first reef tank that I ever saw was in my neighbor's house, when my childhood friend's house. He didn't really have like the craziest reef going on, but I remember he had a sump in his basement. So like the, it was all plumbed into his basement from the living room and like, he had a, a refugium full of uh, Cato and uh, Sally Lightfoot crabs, and like uh, that, like that, like got me hooked. Just the filter alone—that's hardcore that for back then. Oh. Yeah, just Whenever the just the that. filter on the tank alone, like, was what got me into the hobby. Like, I was you just, like the mechanics. I, I wanted I wanted the filter, like more than more than the actual tank itself. You so. need, you need the yeah. reef to have the filter. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I mean, I quickly realized, like, I like on my four gallon tank, I like. I made like the, the, the jankiest hang on back overflow you've ever seen out of a hang on back <laughs> filter. And I, I built a 10 gallon refugium that I had attached to that for absolutely no reason, just cause I, I wanted a refugium. So, you know, just the way I was when I was younger. So, yeah. Dang. Yeah. Okay, so Rob, what was yours? I, the, I think the tank that made me realize what could be done with mm -hmm. a, re a real reef tank, mm -hmm. was actually a tank in California. It was at a store called Tiz Tropical Fish that doesn't exist anymore in Fountain Valley. And I walked in the door and here was this gorgeous piece of reef with corals that I was never able to keep alive and didn't think anybody else could either. And um, I was just fascinated. And so a lot of questions, right? Why, what's happening, what's different, how, right? What could I incorporate? Mm -hmm. Um, to be able to do some of those things. And um, I, that just stopped me dead in my tracks. Oh, yeah. yeah Seeing that gorgeous. first one ever, you're just like, what is all of this? Yeah. Yeah. Then there's no going back. No, yeah, you got to at least box. attempt to achieve it. You know? Yeah. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, having pieces of that, yes, yeah. yeah. But not that solution. Mm -hmm. And that beautiful display mm -hmm. um, just was mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So, Sarah, what was the one that? got you so it's funny my childhood my dad had a reef tank um and i i remember it was always just ever present in our living room and i was never overly interested in it like it was cool it was there it was decoration basically we named the fish um and then i got to go scuba diving with my dad in hawaii 
and I was his last choice. Um, I was the only one in the family who actually wanted to do it. <laughs> but when once I went down and I saw a reef, I came back up. It changed how I viewed it yes. so much. Like it, I, I You're like it. I have a little piece of this at home. Yeah, it it put me on the path of wanting to become a marine biologist. I began to appreciate this tiny piece of the ocean in our living room in New Jersey so much more. Getting to have that, I think, flip. Um, was really impactful and meaningful. And without having a dad who loved the ocean and loved reefs, I, I don't know if I'd be where I am today. And, and so That's that tank cool. is forever. That's cool. The foundation. That's very me. cool. I was the weirdo in my family. Like no one really kept tanks and my parents were like not pet people. Yeah, my dad and, was really supportive locally. And we'll see, like, I was like, well, if I get a fish or I get a fish tank, like, it can't pee or poop on the carpet. Like, my mom's bartering <laughs> 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 it. And then the water water And it was like, well, technically, mom, it did. But technically, it's not urine. Yeah. Right. It's just, it'll go yeah. away. It'll dry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't, I only got to dabble in freshwater. And then I had a neighbor who had a giant 400 gallon in his, in his basement. And I saw it for the first time. I was probably 10 or 11 years old. And I was tinkering with my freshwater. And it was like, if I could go back and recreate that tank, it would just be an absolute nothing but red flags because there was still so much experimenting and just trial and error going on in the early 90s mm -hmm. where it was like he had a big carpet anemone and if he fed it, he literally would feed it a feeder goldfish. Like that's how he fed it. And he had an emperor angel in this thing and he had big leathers and I think back on this tank and I'm like, it was so cool and massive and impressive. And he had a whole room back behind it where all the filtration was. And I was like, I don't know what all that is. I don't want to get into, into it, but I love what's in the tank. And it was so fascinating. And a 400 gallon back in the nineties, that's, that's, that's a big tank. And I used to come over and just ask him all sorts of questions. And one time when his, his emperor passed away, we actually ended up having a funeral. It was like me and like his kids and his wife, you know, she's sitting there. She's like, I can't believe it died. And we had a legit funeral in the backyard for it. And I was like, you know what? These fish live a long time and people become so connected to them. Absolutely. That now if people talk to me and they're like, I lost my clown. It was like 12 years old. I'm like, you know what? That's okay. Because you had that fish for so long. You really do become so connected to mm -hmm. it. And they have little personalities. Yes, so do. when you've got them established with you for a decade, of course, you're going to become emotionally tied to that animal somehow, some way. But yeah, recreating that tank right now would be just a big no-no. But it worked back then. Well, I think <laughs> things can work. Like mm -hmm. when you break the rules, sometimes yeah. you do break it in the right way. Right. And well, and that's how we are where we are now. Yeah. When I first if got into this hobby, that's like, that. that's like all I did was try to break the rules. I'd like try and like put puffers and tanks I absolutely should not have. It never worked out for me. But like, you know, I always I was always trying stuff, you know, like I'd always there would always be people talking about, you know, like fish, like fish on the fringe and stuff like that, like fish that might may or may not be OK in your reef tank. And I always wanted those fish for some reason. And uh, most of the time it would not work out for me with like angels, puffer fish. Uh, 
and various other things. Triggers. Yeah, triggers. Yeah. That's one for sure. I always love the triggers, but they love brief tasting a lot. They can be little jerks. (laughs) Which is why I have a fish only. See, you have to have the satisfaction yeah, of right. both. Like sometimes yeah. it really does happen, especially on the saltwater side. You're like, I, I love the aggressive fish because they're aggressive, but they're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. They're so beautiful. And there's a lot of nutrition advances now within the industry. You can actually cater to a lot of their dietary needs, mm-hmm. which is really important now when you're dealing with aggressives. And especially if they have teeth, because you could potentially have to trim it down, um, yeah. you know, or they could get all sorts of little like gut issues if they're not digesting the proper foods and things of that nature and that was a learning process rockfish that could be a huge problem Mm -hmm. where their metabolism is is so slow that if the meal's too big it'll rot inside it rots inside them and a lot of people would lose their frogfish until that kind of became much more well known yeah yeah only feed them like every other week tops yeah (laughs) they don't move it's like Mm -hmm. feeding a rock (laughs) Pet rock. But you have to wiggle it so they know it's alive. If you can even get them to take something frozen, you know, sometimes they're very, very finicky for a long time, you know. Mm -hmm. I knew a gal when I worked at the the fish store who got got a Moorish idol that came in to eat flake food. Yeah, my old boss. I've seen that. My old boss, Kate Rare. It, old, she was incredible. Very rare. She could get anything to eat. My old boss, Ki Hong, used to like keep Moorish idols in all of his maintenance accounts, and he said he swore his the key was to feed them uh, Cheerios, the to feed them unsweetened Cheerios, and that's how he kept them alive. Uh, and I mean, he had some that he had kept alive for like seven or eight years. Like yeah. when I was, I'm just trying to figure so. out like what that looked like with a Moorish idol oh. and the very <laughs> the thin, how? skinny mouth eating a you know, Cheerio. crushed Cheerios. Okay, because yeah. I was like, hey, clearly yeah. it looks I, more like I a had ring visions toss. of the Cheerio on its <laughs> product. I, I was like, it like ring toss yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like his his whole theory behind it was because they eat mainly sponges in the wild, right. which contain a ton of fiber, and then you know the. The Cheerios also contain a ton of fiber, so that was like his whole, his whole feel uh, on it. But I mean, it worked. Like we had they one, were alive. Yeah. Like the entire time I worked there, we had one in the front display that you know was thriving the entire time I worked there until That's I bought cool. the store, and then after that, like six months later, it's gone. You know, so you know, just the way it goes. Well, and the rules are important when you're you're first getting into the the industry or into the hobby. They're they're guardrails. They're the bumpers when you're bowling, right? Mm-hmm. And then the more you learn, the more you start learning what rules you can break or what rules you can bend. That's and I think that's really important to build the foundation based on the rules until you get until you understand the why. Yeah. And once you understand the why of a rule, then you can start playing with it. That's right. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh my gosh, I I believe we've now gotten up our hour and. Sweet. You know, thank you guys so yeah. much thank for coming and being on here. Um, we did miss Remy this evening. We tried very hard um, to have him be part of our thing, but we just could not get all of the technical difficulties situated. But next time, we'll make sure that we've got Remy either here in the studio. You know, whenever he comes down for restock, I'm sure he'll be in here filming with you, Jack. And uh, you know anybody else who he decides to have a guest come during that time in March? Um, so, don't worry, Remy. We'll, we'll get you in here and you'll get to hang out with us. Um, yep. But thank you guys so much, and thank you so much, Reef Therapy viewers, for being on here and 
Don't forget to comment down below so that way you guys can have your chance to win a free ICP test um, with hashtag what's in your water. So we pick winners after every single episode and make sure that you check back on your comment section so that way you can discover if you were a winner and you can get a very awesome detailed ICP analysis test done for your system. And that is it guys. Thank you so much. And we'll see you guys on the next Reef Therapy.